Good evening. Hi. It's Vicki and Sam. Welcome back. Nice to see you all again. Right. It's been a super time now. It's been a little over a week because somebody had to go back to North Carolina and buy horses. Yep. And she didn't even bring them down here, so I don't have any ponies here yet. But we will. The horses will come visit. But also, I did tell you that I probably wouldn't make it back by Monday. I didn't say that I would be back by Thursday. I was thinking more like Tuesday, but you know how it goes. Yeah, and it's Animals. Friday. So. Oh, is it Friday? Yeah. It's well, Friday. I was here yesterday afternoon. Yep, you were. And then you had a basketball game yesterday. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Orlando Magic versus Denver Nuggets. We're cheering for the Nuggets because I'm from Wyoming. And Wyoming doesn't have a basketball team, so. So we have to cheer for the surrounding states, too. Yeah. yeah. But Magic won. Good because they're Florida residents now, so that's good news. Yeah, most of the time we'll be Magic's fans. We're going to try stuff. You can cheer for both. And whoever wins is the one you claim you cheered for the most. People get really angry about that. People get salty. (laughs) Has anybody ever been to... Let's go get Mini Highlands. (laughs) Don't tempt me. That's Holly. Oh my goodness. Don't tempt me, Holly. So Holly's going to move down here. And then um, what Botox do you have? Me? Like yeah. Botox, like I got Botox. No, it's just a hat. Oh, you're talking about this? Yeah, no, that this is this covers my wrinkles. I did get lip injections like two years ago, but I haven't had Botox. But thank you. I'm gonna take that to mean that I look good. <laughs> uh-huh. What are we talking about tonight? We are talking about ethical dog breeding. Yes, yes, we have to talk ethics and breeding. Such a hot topic, right? It is sexy hot. Sexy hot. And also, just how heated it makes me when people do it unethically. Right? Totally. Or when they say, even worse, is when they say they're doing it ethically, but they're not. Or they're screwing up puppies. And that irks me very much so. Yeah, especially when you're so committed to service work and puppies that are going to turn into dogs that serve the public and help really make it where people can live their lives to the fullest or at all in some cases. Yeah, yeah. I would get it. I would get it. And the breeding that you do and how much work you put into ensuring that you are getting all the little boxes marked as far as what you can do to ensure that we get to that goal. We want to tick everything. Yeah, tick everything. Tink, 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 tink. And not like Lyme disease ticks. Yeah, definitely. Um, And the fact that we have two litters of puppies coming up next week. (sighs) And we had them at the vet yesterday for their x-ray. And yes, oh my gosh, I had somebody ask, like, is it safe for them to get x-rays? No, it's not safe for them to get x-rays. That's why we do it. (laughs) Yes, of course, it's safe for them to get x-rays. Why do we do puppy count x-rays? We do the one x-ray set. They did two shots because they are huge. And it's so we have an idea of how many puppies. When Prithik says it was the easiest because it was two puppies. So we are not waiting to see if there's more puppies coming and wondering and worrying. So if we get one puppy and we know that there's at least 10 in there, yeah. But what if we're thinking it's 12, but we do the x-ray and there's only six puppies in there? Then we don't have to. What would be the the other alternatives? Is to do an oxy... Oxytocin shot, Mm -hmm. not oxycodone. We don't do that. Mm -hmm. Oxytocin shot, which could hurt the puppies before they come out if it's too much. Mm-hmm. And, and the contractions could be too much for them because it goes like this. Um, or we pack up mama and babies 
because you can't leave the babies here. And we drive to the vet and we get the x-ray taken halfway through delivering. What if we're on the way there and more puppies start popping out of her? So for us, what we've started doing is about five days before they're due. Well, day 58, so I guess it's about a week before they're due. Uh, we go and we get into the vet and we get a puppy count x-ray. Plus, it's something fun. And I have been this patient for eight weeks on waiting and wondering. And I figure we've all earned it. Yes, we've all earned it. It's just as safe for them to get x-rays as it is for me or you. Um, do you want to be doing them just for flippantly all the time? No, but you can get an x-ray. We don't do weekly x-rays. No, you can do one. one. <laughs> you can do one. It's one. So, yeah. And then people, of course, always comment on our stuff about adopt and shop. And it's like you've realized that people who are the adopt and shop crowd are ones that don't like dog breeders, period. Mm -hmm. They only like crappy breeders because that's the dogs that end up in shelters or the ones whose breeders won't take them back. Mm -hmm. The ones who don't have contracts that enforce them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, every time I see that, I'm just like, aw, bless your heart in the mean southern way. Yes, and I'm all about adopt. I want you to adopt ethically, and I want you to shop ethically. I don't care which one you do. But in the world that you have created here, where you can really build the perfect material to have a service dog from, why would you risk... You know, it's just not where we're at. We're not going to adopt puppies when we can breed them beautifully and ethically and ensure that they don't end up in those shelters where, you know, where the people from the adopt, don't shop crowd are trying to prevent them from being. They won't end yeah. up there. And there's great rescues, but there's also shady, oh, yeah. shady rescues, oh, right? Oh, yes. I have experienced, so in my time in rescue work, I have experienced unethical rescues and just unethical adoption facilitations yeah even if the rescue is doing great the person that they have facilitating their adoptions or that particular foster home may not be everything you wanted it to be or everything you needed it to be right and whenever rescues start joking wink wink about breeding dogs so they have more dogs and they can sell puppies faster than they can sell adult dogs and they're importing them from other countries, claiming mm-hmm. that they're meat dogs. Because, like, really, who's going to eat a chihuahua? <laughs> like, yeah, like, I mean, I know we like to eat wings, but, like, really? Ugh. So, you know, just do it right, guys. I don't care what you want. Just do it right. Yes. And how do you do breeding right? Well, we've got a checklist here because that's the best way to keep in, do, 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 keep all your ticks in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one is health testing. Okay. And that is for the parents of the puppies. The puppies won't get health tested until they're older. Uh, We will start health testing usually around four months on up and see if the one that we're keeping or the ones that we're keeping are the ones that we actually are going to keep for our program. So for health testing, how do you find out what age is the youngest that you should do it at and what tests it should be? And there's a lot of weird info out there and not everything correlates. So this is going to be my recommendation to you. And of course, you know, I'm going to base everything on Goldens because it's easier. But uh, you want to check OFA, which is the Orthopedic Foundation of America. And you can go to their website and you can search. You can't search by, you know, like Ginger or Ginger, right? But you can search by her AKC name, which is what is her Tramon Ethnic Style. 
I did not name her. That's how she came. It's a weird name. She has style. She does. It was the E litter. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. And uh, Lucy is Tramantara Mystica, which I think is like a pretty snazzy name. That is. That one is more snazzy. Right? So we... Uh, we always recommend start there. Now, if they have all the health testing needed, they should have their chick number. And that's like, I don't know, canine health certification. I don't know what it stands for, but it's a chick number, C-H-I-C. And that just shows that they have everything. Uh, you could also look at breed clubs. So if you're looking at Golden Retrievers, you look at the Golden Retriever Club of America. And the Golden Retriever Club or the specific breed club is what tells AKC this is what we require, but you should also be able to look on the AKC site for what the health testing is for that breed. Oh, yeah, definitely. I was about to ask, what about if they're not doing golden retrievers? Where's the first stop? The AKC to see what testing they recommend for that breed. And then if your breeder isn't doing it, well, maybe that's run away. One, yeah, that's not one you want to use. Like a lot of times, and I'm not going to pick on doodles, but... Do you, most doodles, I have yet to meet a doodle breeder who does complete health testing. And I've done podcasts on this before. I've done lives on this before. And I usually have a doodle breeder who would come on. I mean, not always the same one, but like doodle breeders would come on or in our professional groups would have people who come on and they're like, hey, my doodle breeder or this breeder that I know does complete health testing. And I say, fantastic, please send me what it is that they do. Or just give me the website and I can look it up on my own. And every single time, all they do is uh, they'll just do a genetic panel and claim that that's full and complete health testing. And it's not. Okay, Canine Health Information Center. Thank you, Holly. Nice. So what's the difference between <coughs> canine health testing and the genetic panel? So with the health testing that we do for Goldens, we look at hips, elbows, eyes, and heart. Eyes have to be done annually. Heart has to be done over a year old. Now, here's the funky part about heart because we're going through it right now because we have four dogs who are over a year. And we want to make sure that we get their heart checked, mm -hmm. but well before they're two because it's hard to get into a cardiologist to do that. And you have to go to a cardiologist. Mm -hmm. So if you do an oscillation, which is just to listen to, mm -hmm. it's okay. But what they're wanting is an echo. Even though that's not what the breed club says, that's getting to be more the gold standard. And I've talked to some cardiologists about it, and they're like, no, just do the oscillation. And if we hear anything that needs an echo, we'll do the echo. Whereas some of the people online are like, nope, get an echo. Just get an echo. Get an echo. So that's so what we have to decide. So you say if you came up to someone that was, and you found out, like a potential breeder, and you found out they were doing an echo, not the oscillation, you'd say, all right, you're going above and beyond. That would be you an betcha. impressive yep. thing yep. for your breeder to be doing. Yep. Most definitely. And it's not like it's out the dog any, you know, because yeah. it's an echo. So it's like an ultrasound type of thing, uh, you know, and it works. So, so you've got that and the eyes have to be done annually. Oh, so if you've got like a breeder you're looking at and the parents of your litter that you're going to pick from are you know four and five years old you should expect to see four and five eye tests at least for golden retrievers yes now for sometimes dog. like when covid came it was hard to do them okay because everything shut down so you know some people got a buy for that um we got a buy actually last summer uh lita and ginger were they had their litters last summer and they're, uh, what was it, Aladdin and Hercules, and they were due. Like, we had them ready to go in. We had them signed up for an eye clinic, and they came into heat, and they got pregnant. And I wasn't going to bring them to an eye clinic when they're pregnant. Mm. 
So, you know, we got a buy on that, but as soon as they were done, we found one. And again, it took a couple months to get in, but we got them. But at done. most, if your dog, you know, you can excuse yeah. one missed eye exam. Yes. If you've got a five-year-old stud dog who's only had one eye exam, now, now my eyebrows are raised. And it's not the Botox. Right? <laughs> you, well, hopefully it's not the Botox. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, that's what we'd look for with Goldens. Uh, and then, so health testing, x-rays, uh, hips and elbows. Elbows, it's just x-rays, right? But hips can be done through OFA or for, through pen hip. And what OFA does is it'll look at the picture of the x-ray and for prelims, one of the vets looks at it and says, I think it's this. And apparently they will judge puppies a little harsher and mm-hmm. they will judge goldens a little harsher and guess that we have golden puppies. So there's our judge like double harsh. But for the adult dogs, when they come in, it's they go to three different vets. Apparently, they change them out monthly. So they'll give a guess. Well, their, their estimate of it, another one's estimate of it, and the third, and then they take the average. So if you have a good, good fair, it's going to be a good. If you have a good, good excellent, it's going to be a good. Okay. And that's how OFA does. It's somebody's opinion. Okay. Well, three somebody's opinion, and then yeah. they average. Yep. Three somebody's opinion. Uh, whereas for pen hip, it's a measurement. But how they have to do pen hip is they take and they adjust the hips and they'll take pictures. So the dog has to be sedated. And some people will sedate for the OFAs also, but not everybody. Uh, But pen hip is supposed to be better. But we, and we were debating, do we want to do pen hips with the puppies? You know, they do pull on the hip joint a little bit. It's not supposed to hurt the dog, but the puppies don't have the muscle that'll help hold it into place. So while we've done some, we don't want to uh, subject our puppies to that. So our goal right now, what we're doing is we are doing OFA prelims anywhere from four to six months old or when we can get in. I have a vet that I like for it. Mm -hmm. So we'll get those. And then when they hit two years old in one day, we can schedule them for their OFA finals and for their pen hips. So then we have both informations and we can look at those and decide if this is a dog that we feel would be a good dog for breeding. Yeah, because we only want the best, right? As Here, we only want the best. And I'm speaking to you guys as if I know that you only want the best as well. And if you're looking for the second best, then this this isn't your podcast. We're, we're here for the best. Right, we do. The best for service work. That's what we focus on anyway. Yes. Yes, I want the best because people who have a disability do not need to have a dog with a disability. They need to have the dog that is going to help them to live the most normal life possible. Yeah, normal. Yeah. yeah. And for some of them, it's to live any life at all. So yeah. there's not room for mistakes with these puppies. And if there is something along the line, we want to catch it. Because maybe there are things that happen that, you know, God God may strike us with a puppy that ends up with some kind of eye condition, even though both parents were tested and tested and tested again. And we don't see that until that puppy is six or seven months old. Well, then that puppy is retired from the breeding program or maybe can't perform for the person they were set out for. So now we have to find that person a different puppy that will... And we wouldn't know that if we weren't doing all the testing. And, and it actually happened to us. And if you guys remember Apple from our Snow White litter, uh, we she was our keeper girl. 
and we had her eyes tested between four and six months old. I think about four-ish. And it turned out she had something in her eye. I don't remember what it is, but it was something in the eye. And the vet said, it's it's not going to affect her. It's not going to affect her quality of life. She could still go on to be a service dog. He's telling me this. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. It's fine. It's okay. You know, I, I was already, I had somebody who might be interested in her. And I was already texting them saying, hey, what do you got? You know, do you think, are you still interested in Apple? Because she is no longer in the breeding program. And dogs that come out of the breeding program or out of the prospects for service work go into lovely pet homes that have been heavily vetted, or yeah. some have gone on to be therapy or comfort dogs. They have great places to go to. We don't toss them out in the street. We're not putting them in shelters. Yeah, yeah. They don't go into shelters. Like and they... that's something you should ask your breeder about, whatever breed yes. you're getting, is what do they do with the dogs that don't make the cut? Yeah, yeah. We've had a total of two dogs returned to us. Um, and two dogs, the owners decided it was too much work with the service dog. And so uh, we discussed it and they found a new home for the dog and contacted us. And we contacted uh, the recommendations and approved them. And so they were, so it, it's not that everyone worked out perfect. Yeah. And you've had a dog. Didn't you have a dog that you kept for, he had severe health conditions, right? And you Bucky. kept him, yeah, you kept him for his entire life. He was too yep. severe of a health case. And he wasn't one that we bred. He was one we purchased as a potential add-on to the breeder program. And it was Bucky. And he, he had so many health issues and they came to light about a month into having him, he was having some, some serious stuff going on, and it took a couple more weeks to get fully diagnosed. Um, the breeder did refund our money, and when we said, hey, the contract says that he gets returned back to you, do you want him? Because we want to make sure we stay in our contract that we signed, in our legally binding contract. And she said, no, we don't want him up here. Um, you guys are down there. You guys have UF. You guys have Orlando. You guys have Tampa. We are out in the boonies a few states away. So how about you keep him and then get him the medical attention he needs? And he passed before that could happen. But he but lived a lovely life. Here. He did. He was yeah, very oh, loved. He got to do anything he wanted to do. Talk about a spoiled dog. Anything he, he wanted except for, you know, do the nasty. But right. Yeah. Everything he wanted except that. He was out. Right? Well, that's and we couldn't even neuter him. And he he died before he was a year old. Um, but he, he we couldn't neuter him. He couldn't undergo anesthesia because of this medical condition that he had. So he, you know, like, what are you going to do with a dog like that? And with certain breeds, medical conditions like that are more common. So you may want to, before you even start looking at a breeder, start looking at is the choice in breed good for you? And how hard is it going to be? Because there are some breeds that attract more unethical people trying to take advantage of the fad or whatever that's undergoing than yeah, others. So true. your likelihood to be scammed or to be brought into something that you don't want to be brought into, to be made a part of this dirty, breeding, poor, unhealthy, unfit dogs, you want to do your research. Make sure you know that you're not putting yourself out there asking for trouble. Yes. Oh, most definitely. Um, the research is huge, yeah. And one of them, and you know Sparkles. Mm -hmm. Sparkles was originally going to be part of the breeding program, and her hip score was great. Her um, elbow score was fantastic. Well, she passed. It was normal, mm. which is so fantastic. But she had a slight underbite. And that removed her from the breeding program. Yeah. Even so, though it affected her none at all. Like, she could have yeah. still performed. And she still picks up stuff. Yeah. You know, but it was removed. So we have very high standards for what we want in our breeding program. Yeah, because we're trying to be the best. I want the, yeah. 
Damn yeah. Would allergies be considered genetic? Um, probably more environmental than genetic. Uh, and it all depends. So Raya, actually, and she, we just got her OFA is back. Um, she's completely, her prelims, she's passed. She's in the breeding program. Mm-hmm. Um, she flew out to Sacramento. And she had really severe allergies out there due to the environment because she was fine here before. She was out there for less than a week and she was fine back here since. Um, you know, she has been fantastic. And so that, for me, is not a reason to remove hers because she had allergies in a different environment. And speaking of, I have allergies, <laughs> right? I am, guess what? I'm allergic to dogs and horses. But, like, severely allergic to horses. But, you know, I'm still allergic to dogs. The only way I can breathe in my bedroom with usually eight dogs sleeping in here at night with us, not on the bed, on the floor, and their beds, is uh, I have air purifier going. A pretty big size one. And then with the puppies coming, with 20 new puppies coming, we're going to bring in a second air purifier. Because if not, I can't sleep and I can't breathe. And you know what? It's really nice to be able to breathe. Yeah, if you can't breathe, I don't, I don't know what I'll do. Right? I'll have to move out to a little RV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> Me can and move Bird. with us. Okay. We'll make Ray sleep on the... Happy well. Black History Month. Yeah, it is nice. Black History Month. All the players on Orlando Magic's side last night at the NBA game were wearing special Black History Month um, sweatshirts. Nice. I that was pretty cool. That is neat. And uh, what about food allergy sensitivity? A lot of times that depends. Uh, here we have not had food allergies and sensitivity. We feed Purina Pro Plan 3020 and we'll feed Farmina puppy ancient grains. And we don't have food allergies. Now we notice when we switch them from the Purina to the Farmina, their stools will get a little soft. We give them propolectin or we'll give them a probiotic or the Purina Fortiflora Mm -hmm. and they firm right up and we're good. Mm -hmm. So we don't have food allergies here. I know some owners when they go home, they do. But a lot of times what we've noticed is they're the owners who want the dogs to be on the bougie food. Yeah, but don't take the time to switch it over because it takes months to rebalance your gut. Yeah. And they're not doing probiotics. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, like that's what we found. What OFAs do you do? Um, For Goldens, it's hips, elbows, eyes, and heart. Uh, So that's what we'll do with the Goldens. We also do the genetic panel. We can do that through Embark or Paw Print Genetics. Paw Print Genetics will look at the Ichthyosis 2, which is a newer test for the Goldens. Uh, And then Embark will look at the coefficient of inbreeding. So I like to do both eventually, um, just so we have them. And, but it's just one small thing. It's, is your dog a carrier, clear, or affected? And if you remember the Mendel square with the P's, the tall P's and the short P's that we all did in middle school, right? The pundit square, I believe it's called Mm -hmm. also. You are correct. Right? With the big B, little B, little B, little B, half of them will be carriers, half of them will be clear. So some of our girls are carriers and that's fine. But as we have litters, we make sure that if we have a carrier, we breed her to a clear which limits our stud pool because not every stud has been tested. Um, But as we're keeping for future generations, we're trying to do just clear. Mm -hmm. You know, that's going to be the end goal because then it doesn't matter. Like we have some frozen semen that we have access to that could be amazing because it's like 20-year-old frozen semen. Except guess what? They weren't doing genetic testing 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. So I can do it with Lita right now, but she's my only clear girl who's of breeding age. Mm. Because Lucy and Princess are mother-daughter, and they're PRA1 carriers, and Ginger's an icky carrier for icky one. So that makes me think you would want to 
you know, if you're thinking of other dog breeds that you might be wanting to get from a different breeder, not Vicky, you would want to see what is it that they are doing for their breed, right? Not only for themselves and the dogs in their genetic pool, but like Vicky is trying to eliminate this ichthyosis out of her lines and then any dogs from those lines, from her lines that may go on to enter the genetic pool in other breeders' um, arenas, she will be having positively contributed to the overall genetic health of all golden retrievers because there are only so many um, to pull from. There are so many, there are only so many non-related, especially in certain breeds. Yeah. Certain breeds, like what were you saying? Poodles have experienced a drop in genetic diversity. Yeah. Um, German shepherds have exhibited a dramatic drop in genetic diversity. And when you lose genetic diversity, you lose things like um, the... Diversity that is genetics. Yes, diversity in genetics. Like, you don't want the same messed up chromosomes having more likelihood to repeat. Do you guys, if you're familiar with, like, say, European um, royalty, how inbred it got in, like, the Habsburg line, you know, we don't want that. We want healthy dogs. Why? Because healthy dogs are going to live longer. Genetically healthy dogs are going to live longer. So that's one of the really positives with our three founding mamas, Ginger and Lucy and Lita, coming from Europe and being European imports. Uh, we did t- our first two litters were done with European males also, hence Sparkles and Princess. Those were our keepers from those litters. But since then, we have done American show lines. And what we found when we were doing the Embark is our coefficient of inbreeding cut in half or more. Um, some of them cut about, right. yeah, more than half, um, just based on doing the American show line and European show line. Right. And we're getting really gorgeous dogs. We're very yeah. smart and they love to work. Mm-hmm. So that's what I really like. It works out really well. Perfect. So I would maybe consider looking into what health problems plague your breed, the breed you intend to purchase for yourself, and then ask your breeder what they are doing in their position to combat that what are they doing for the breed to help combat whatever health problem plagues them like the blindness in um great danes or you know the skin well, issues in poodles have, have that too uh-huh. um dobermans will have the dcm the dilated cardiomyopathy dobermans are very very unhealthy as a breed as a whole and that's why whenever we had candy who was working as my personal service dog for mobility and we were just going through health testing for her for doing her job as a service dog and she was coming back amazing with everything her hips were amazing her heart was amazing you know and it was very unique to find a dog who was as good as she was that we had to breed her like we had to do that for the breed dobermans have so many health tests that they have to go through and you know we did well we had done one litter and the puppies it wasn't good um the puppies were not born alive so we did one more litter to see um and those litters that, that that litter i think about three about half of them are uh went out as service dogs and then half of them went as pets yeah velmoila brands is another one which is a blood clotting uh disorder so it can be very difficult for for some of these breeds some of these purebred groups because they do have a closed um stud book a closed gene pool yeah that so gets, yeah that can get real scary especially when you start looking at like these designer coat colors and stuff 
Oh my yeah. gosh, if they merle one more dog breed, I'm going to scream. <laughs> We're not going to merle, merle golden. Yeah, we won't have any merle golden retrievers. There'll be no blue-eyed golden retrievers right. born here. No silvers. We're not doing any of that. Um, so for Goldens, it's hips, elbows, eyes, and heart. That's like so memorized because I tell everybody hips, elbows, eyes, and heart. And she's told you guys like five times. Yeah. Just in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if you listen to more of them. Um, for labs, because I found out for labs, it's hips, elbows, eyes, and then heart and genetics. So there's something called in labs called exercise-induced collapse. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine that? Labs, who love to exercise, has something called exercise-induced collapse. Um, P-R-A-P-R-C-D, which is an I thing, a D-locus DNA, and a C-N-M. I don't know what that is. But those are genetic ones for labs. But otherwise, they're pretty close to goldens, right? Hips, elbows, eyes, and hearts. For poodles, it's hips and eyes. They don't have elbows, but when we did Roma, we did her elbows. She was under and one. Or, yeah. I think they put her under for that. Yeah, I'd rather rather have more information than less. Yeah. And then it's weird, because in poodles, you can choose one. A thyroid SA, which is a skin one, or heart. So we did her heart. You can Uh, choose one to have them test for? Yeah, that's the poodle health thing. It's not all three of them, and it's heart, thyroid, and and skin, and it's like, oh. Those are also different. I want to know they're all good. Right? Weird. And it was really hard to find someone for this essay. Apparently, they'll, like, punch out some skin, and I'm like, well, that sounds really mean. Like a hole punch? Yeah. Yeah, like what they do with your cervix sometimes. Yeah. Which isn't fun. So I'm like, well, if it's not fun in my hoo-ha, it's not going to be fun on the dog either. (laughs) Um, The thyroid we could have done, but like I said, we ended up doing the heart with Roma because we figured that's... And and she gets her thyroid checked. We do that as part of our breeding protocol, um, and, and she's always been good with it, so... So, yeah. So, but, those are, we, I think we've covered the most common breeds chosen for service work. Yeah. And at least to our knowledge, what we think you should start looking out for and what you should start looking for as far as health testing being done by the breeder that you are looking at. And these have to be done with the parents, both parents. It is not enough for them to say, the parents were healthy. Why? My vet said so. No, and make sure. I've had people tell me, oh, yeah, we they're health checked. Or you, ugh, everybody's seen it on those Facebook groups. Health tested. You know, health, health tested. Certified. Health certified. And really, they just mean they went to the vet and got the vet to do a general exam. And then Gave say, yep, shot. looks good. Yeah. Yep, looks good. And that's not enough. That's not enough. It's not. Not at all. Not for what we want. And not for what... The breeders have to do better. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I've been told by a few different breeders that we go way more above and beyond. And I kind of like that. I want to be the one who goes above and beyond. Especially if we're hoping to get these dogs out of shelters. Because if we're not setting the example, then people who are just letting puppies be born in their backyards and selling them on Facebook for 50 bucks, like... Our pups aren't 50 bucks. No, but you get what I'm saying. If they're seeing people who are representing themselves as breeders, like official breeders, have are on the AKC website, however they manage that... Then it seems okay for Joe Blow down the street, who just happens to have two kind of look like Labradors, and is like, all right, we'll throw those together and get, you know. No, we have to set the bar higher so that we get far, far away from Joe Blow down the street and he can start to recognize that, oh, this is not acceptable. But what if they are AKC registered? Doesn't that mean that quality? No. AKC is a breed registry. It just means that mom was a registered and dad was a registered. It doesn't mean they were health cleared. It doesn't mean they were ever tested before they were bred. It doesn't even mean that they ever achieved or performed in the AKC world. They can have never even gotten a CGC or 
had any health tests done. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. They don't even have... You can get your AKC number and then never check back in with them again. Yep. (laughs) Yep, yep. People want a lot for their puppies. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not even going to tell you what we charge for ours. It's a lot. It's a lot. But they're worth it. They're worth more than that. Yeah, that's what I said. We're we're talking about being number one yeah. service dogs breeder. Right. If you want number two, you're in the wrong spot. <laughs> exactly. Purebred does not equal well-bred. You got it exactly. Yes. So what do they do with the dogs? How is their temperament? And that's the next thing you want to look at is temperament. Now, I've had people say, well... Oh, wait a minute. One thing I want to go back on is genetic. Why Why do we breed the ones with care, who are carriers? There's nothing wrong with being a carrier. If we get rid of all the carriers and a gene pool, we will cause that genetic bottleneck of genetics. I guess genetic bottleneck of genetics. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, because if there's two that are not carriers of that, they're more likely to have other genetic similarities. And it, not, it might not be anything bad. It might not be anything that causes them health concern. But if they end up with another being paired with another dog that does have that exact same gene pool, it can be icky. Yeah. It can get icky in other ways. Oh, yeah. So if there's, say, 100 dogs Uh and even a quarter of them are carriers of something Mm -hmm. in being bred and we get rid of that, then we're down to 75 dogs Mm -hmm. who are able to be bred. So we want to make sure that we're good. So moving on to temperament. So, yeah, so I just wanted to fill that out there, okay? So, temperament. We want good temperament. Now, what is a good temperament? Well, that's going to depend on your breed. For Goldens, you want the typical, in your mind, a Golden temperament. Loves everybody. Um, a burglar comes to your house, and your Golden meets him at the tennis ball with, I love you, I love you, you're the best yeah. in the world. Right? Um, you might not meet the dad. We met AJ for the first time earlier this week. Um, she came down to visit, and AJ has, is the father of these two litters and the father of the princess litter, and we hadn't met him in real life. But he has performed extremely well in the show ring, and that isn't something, like, extremely well. That is not something he could have done without the proper golden temperament because those judges do judge the temperament. And they go like this, wah, to check their knots, and they didn't get turned around a bit, so yay. Yes. And in those high levels of competition, like maybe at your local, you know, shows if you're just going for fun the judges might not judge your dog as harshly on things like temperament if you go if like you winning, get best tail wag yeah but if you're winning like aj is best golden retriever of 2021 2021 they for dang sure made sure he had a golden retriever's temperament yeah and that's actually not the first time we've used the best of we used stone was dad for our mermaid litter and he was best golden in 2018. Mm-hmm. So we were like, well, we have Flounder and Sebastian from that litter. And then we have Bosco. And then we're going to keep a, a, probably two girls and a boy from this litter. So if we breed, how can that work? And yeah. it's kind of exciting. It is exciting. It is very exciting. But yeah, temperament. Um, and you want to be able to remove the dog from the breeding program at any time. And it could be for a health reason. It could be for a temperament reason. Um, you're also probably not going to meet the daddy. And it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Don't, well, the dad's not on property. The dad's probably not going to be on property. No, because we're trying to spread genetic diversity. Right? Yeah. So. so we import dog semen from different states. Import, shuttle in dog semen from different states uh, to help with that. Next question. So how do we, when we say, if we ask the breeders, like these people who go to get puppies from somewhere other than us, and they go, what kind of temperament testing are you doing for puppies? What would be... An alarming response. What would make you turn around and go, nope, not this guy, not not buying from you? So we, actually, I was going with a friend, and we had to do a video call for a litter. 
And the puppies, there were three males that she was looking at. One of them came in, was all nice and confident. Another one came in and was scared to death, hugged the wall and like peed himself. And the other one came in and did the same thing. Did you ask the breeder what kind of temperament testing did you do? Well, this was, we were telling her, this is what you're going to do. So we had sent her, this was a few years ago. So we were going to do Volhard, but it was a week early. And, and so we're watching those and we're like, oh my. Now, as I talk to people, uh, when I talk to like stud owners, I like to get some information, you know, like, how are they doing? Uh, You know, tell me like how he is around people. Is he a happy dog? What do you like to do for fun with them? And if it's, you know, like he never leaves the house. Why doesn't he ever leave the house? How is he when you go to the vet? Oh, he doesn't like to go to the vet. He's he's very scared. Well, that's not going to be a dog that I'm going to want as a stud. Um, I actually <laughs> had a phone call once from a woman who wanted me to rehab her aggressive Rottweiler male. He was super aggressive. And then she's like, oh, well, he just had a litter. And he's the dad of this litter. And then she, found, she wants to donate me a puppy from the super aggressive dad. She wanted to donate you a puppy? Yeah. Like for, give it to you like a gift? Yeah, for hope. She wanted to donate so he could go on to be a service dog and help people. And guys, that genetic stuff is key. You know, I think they take looks from dad. So then whenever, I mean, think about it as a um, reproductive thing, right? Like if the baby comes out and doesn't look like dad, dad's going to be like, I don't think that's my baby. <laughs> so I think when they come out, they're going to look like dad. And I think temperament is going to come more from mom. But some of that stuff, guys, is genetic. Yes. Well, no, it's not. It's all in nurture, not nature. No, it's both. Um, or herding dogs wouldn't be able to herd just because they see goats. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't be like, I don't know what to do here. That light switch just flicked on. Yeah. Anybody who's spent any time around herding breed puppies knows their mamas are not sitting out there teaching them what to do. Yeah. They come out and they start going for it. Yeah, they do. And it's yeah. beautiful to watch. And same golden retrievers. If the puppy is not just friendly from the start, then it didn't get the right basements. But basement puppies are dogs who are pretty much ignored. And that's not good. Now, one of the great things with us being a 501c3 nonprofit is we get volunteers. We get volunteers who come in, who spend time with puppies, who will play with puppies. We have people who come in just to cuddle the puppies, Mm -hmm. which is pretty awesome. And we do, it's not just a free-for-all in here where anybody can come and go. Because I know some of you have probably heard when you ask your breeder what kind of socialization have they had. And they'll say, oh, I got my grandkids run through the house all the time. These puppies have been out in the yard. They go out and play and run with the other dogs. They ain't scared of nothing. Nothing. That's not what we want to hear. I want to hear what was your socialization protocol at what mile markers in their development were you introducing things like um, loud noises, different forms of touch, um, different spaces within the home. I don't want the puppies to have spent their entire eight weeks in the same room. In the basement. Yeah, in the basement. Like, I don't, even if your grandkids were running through there three times a day screaming, that doesn't mean that your puppies were properly socialized. I tell people we start training these puppies at three days old, which may sound crazy, but it's what we do. We have a set schedule that we keep that ensures that these puppies are not only, we've given them the best genetic possibility we could by all the testing and everything that you yeah. do with parents and oftentimes you can look back and see grandparents testing scores yes which is pretty neat and now we are operating on that nurture side because the genetic testing helped us with nature and the protocol that we keep in raising helps us with nurture and at the end of it we have perfect golden retrievers yeah 
nine times out of ten anyway. Sometimes you end up with one with a little spot in their eye or, you know, something. That you mm, can... Mouth that goes like this. Yeah, or a mouth that goes like this. Beautiful little sparkles. Um, we got a question here. What do you do if a puppy doesn't get an A plus on the temperament test? So we used to do the Volhard temperament test. And what we found with Volhard is because it's supposed to be a day 49, which is seven weeks old. And that's it. 15 minutes because we take the puppy outside to potty him, bring him into a room they hadn't been in. And then we would do the temperament test and then they'd get some cuddles because it was the volunteer had stayed away for this reason to be able to do this for us. And then they get another potty break and then the next dog would come. And it was just too long uh, per puppy and it was exhausting. So what the temperament tells you is where the dog needs help, what the the dog needs to work on. And right. I want my breeders to, at the very least, be doing the Volhard temperament test. But if they're not doing a Volhard temperament test, I want to know what is your, how do you then ensure that you, if we gave these dogs a Volhard temperament test, they would likely have scored well for their breed. How- Actually, I was talking to somebody who's, uh, who, she was a trainer, and she was telling me that this breeder, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this was like so good, and if not, I'm going to forget about it. That this breeder was was faking results because she was exposing the dog to these things ahead of time. Ahead of the seven weeks old, she was exposing them to new things like umbrellas opening and going underneath things and toys in the environment. And I'm like, as a breeder, that is our job yeah, is to set these cheating. puppies up for success. That's not cheating. Right? Yeah. It's not. I'm like, every breeder should, should then cheat at the temperament test. Yes, cheat. Well, we want you to cheat. Well, no, because it's supposed to be the first time they're introduced to it. No, they're looking at how the dog recovers and what the dog does. So that's what you're looking at during it. So what we came up with is a bastardized version of the Volhard temperament test that we just call our puppy temperament test. And what we did with the last litters is we tested them in the office. And yes, they had been in there before. And we tested them. And yes, they knew us. But what we did is we went Facebook Live. So you can look back on Facebook and find it, guys, through the Hope Service Dogs page. Um, And we get things out like here's a a ball toy. Here's a flirt pole. Here's an umbrella. um, Here's a stuffy. Here's the wheelchair. Here's some some different things. And what do the dogs do? And as we're doing the test, we call out things like, oh, yellow just went and got the toy. Oh, you know, purple just, you know, put his little front paws on the wheelchair and pushed, you know? Maybe wasn't startled by the movement of the wheelchair or was, but then recovered quickly and then went back to try it a second time. What I want you guys to think of with the Volhard temperament test is what is it that those items are trying to test for? What are they looking for? And then you can come up with different ways ways to do it, to to do their recovery response, to do their forgiveness response, to do their... um, The following... You walk through and do they follow you? We do that outside during puppy walks. But we can have like somebody new to them. Like we can pick a volunteer and say, hey, will you just walk through here and see if this puppy will follow you? Great. We throw a mama out there. We're like, see if they follow. And any dog that they see, they're like, that might be a mama. And Bert's out there sometimes and he's like, I'm not a mama. Yeah. Right. But you know, how are they with these different things is it is a big part of it, but if I had everybody in the litter who wanted a mobility dog and I knew what I was looking for for a mobility dog, I'm not going to get a whole litter of mobility dogs. Mm -hmm. I might get a few, but I'm not going to get a whole litter of mobility dogs. Instead, we'll get some people who want mobility, some people who want medical alert scent based, some people who want medical alert sight based, Um, some maybe a therapy dog or a companion dog. Psychiatric. Yeah. So because of the combination there, we can put that together into a litter. And 
it works and it works out really good testing to see who fits what piece so if we know we've got somebody that needs psychiatric and somebody that needs mobility we're gonna test those puppies based on these needs and we're gonna put let's say puppy a is more likely to forgive things like um you know being held down or picked up or something that's meant to cause them a little bit of distress because that's the point in that part of the bullhard temperament test is to see how are they at handling a little bit of distress then we may want to see okay this puppy forgives really quickly this puppy is not one to become upset when things are made uncomfortable for him well great then we might want to really consider that one for the psychiatric right if they do things like self-harm pushing throwing stuff like that that is going to require a dog that has a higher level of emotional resilience to things that might be considered uncomfortable and by exposing the dogs when they're puppies with us to light minor stressors Mm -hmm. and seeing how they respond um it's totally different to do that what we just mentioned than it would be to bombard the dog day and night with music playing constantly Mm -hmm. and to bombard the dog with lights and waking him up all the time from asleep and uh you know here's more toys and more toys and more toys and more toys you know, like that's setting the dog up for failure to not understand how to handle stress well. Whereas the other way, our way of doing it gives them little stress inoculations. Yeah. And it works out really nicely. Uh, we do have a wait list um, for information. Just let me know. Um, because again, we have like 20 puppies coming and we have like 20 plus on the wait list. But it doesn't mean everybody's going to be good. So comforting to know that you did extra scent training or testing with Gala for my medical alert. Yeah, because we knew yeah. that's what you needed. So we wanted to get you the best fit for that. Definitely. Yeah. And so we have, um, we use Nosy Nose for that. And, you know, to see how does the dog like scent. Now, we've had some dogs who will just, you can take some canned food and smear it. And that dog will follow that whole scent trail. <laughs> we have others who don't. And they're like, I don't care. Yeah. If they don't see the can of tuna right there in the center of the floor, they're not sniffing for the little scent trail that you... Right? So those ones have been the best. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you know what the owners are like, he magically alerts to me. And I'm like, it's not magic. <laughs> it's not magic, but he really worked on that. <laughs> like, it's something we're really good with. So health and care. So what we do with the mamas, when the mamas come into heat, even before they come into heat, there's five supplements that we start adding to their food. And then that is... Fish oil, okay, so that's for the omegas, um, probiotics, vitamins, blueberries, and folic acid. Okay, those are the five that we'll start adding, and they will be on it until the puppies are weaned and go home. Uh, they get off of any glucosamine and any extra calcium. So no more milk, no yogurt, nothing like that, no pudding. And they get pudding later, which is why I said pudding, but it's not like the pudding that you're going to buy at the store for yourself. Oh, it's not like the... Dole or Yoplait? Right, it's Yoplait. No, it's not. It's the one that, um, with the probiotics for people who can't poop good. No, I'm kidding. It's not. It's not done by that for your dog. <laughs> don't, don't feed your dog um, probiotic pooping pudding. Probiotic pooping pudding. We're going to market it. <laughs> uh, progesterone tests we'll do uh, for the dogs. We will also check brucellosis. Ours have always tested negative, but we'd like to have that on record. Um, so we will do that every time. We will do thyroid tests, and we will start them on Batril to take care of any raging infections or little infections of the hoo-ha. Okay. We have a quick question I'm going to throw in there in the market for another SD. What would you need to look for in a cardiac alert dog? So for me, I would want a dog that is attentive 
um, and readily reactive. So a dog that can reactive the nice way, not reactive like yeah, reactive the nice way. I mean, readily reactive, and it does not take a lot of stimuli to get their attention, right? Because if you're wanting a cardiac alert to your heart rate, you need that dog to be very sensitive, right? Because your heart rate isn't. So I'm going to cut Sam off and say, if you're looking for a cardiac alert dog for dysautonomia, that's all you got to do is tell me that and I will find one who's good for you. Okay. A lot of people want, they'll tell me I want a cardiac alert dog. I want a blood pressure alert dog or I want a pulse alert dog. And my first question to them is always, but do you? Because you know what? I feel wonky a lot of the time. And the last thing I want when I'm feeling wonky is for my dog to be bugging me saying, hey, you don't feel good. 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 I know I don't feel good. Leave me alone. Just lie down. Right? So I would rather have a dog who does medical response and medical recovery, retrieves, and deep pressure therapy than a dog who's like, hey, hey, it's happening again. You know what's going on again. I know you can't do anything about it because we're just waiting for it to pass. But hey... Hey, can you imagine if Bert did that? No, you'd be, he'd just be in your lap constantly. You wouldn't be able to get anything done. <laughs> I prefer Sometimes. not to do medical um, cardiac alert as well. Yeah, so it's something that if you really want it, but if you do, we do look for scent-based um, because that's, that's what we go, right? So that would be scent-based. Now, I've also talked to people who will tell me they have seizures, but they're not like seizure seizures, epileptic seizures, Um, Sometimes it'll be a seizure of non-organic origin, I've had people tell me, or as we try to drill down to it, because I'm not saying like, but are they really seizures, to see if you qualify as having a service dog and if you're disabled enough, because that is not up to me. It's not like there's five service dogs and I have to give them to the most disabled and I'm the queen of disabilities and I get to find out who those most disabled and deservings are. It's not that way, right? So if you want to do... If you're like, no, I really think a service dog would help me. Here's what I have to work with. Um, you know, here's here's where I'm at. We, we get to talk. We get to see if a service dog is right for you. Maybe it's not right for you at this time. Um, maybe it is. I don't know. But uh, I totally lost my train of thought. Uh, I tell you, they, they took Adderall off. What was that like two months ago? And man, those effects are really kicking in now. Or maybe I'm just really tired. You have done a lot today. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we did um, uh, school career day with Bert and with uh Clover see this is thank you Sam um we did that and then we went out and met up with Nicole and Carolyn Sam and Ray and me and Rich and we were there for what like three or four hours yeah and then came home and Rich took it out and usually I'm the one to take naps. I thought you'd be asleep for yeah, sure. I was surprised was... to see you like, when I came in here. But... Yeah, yeah. And that's why I'm having some caffeine now is to try to like help get me through until 10 so I sleep good because I haven't been sleeping good because I missed Aww. you. Oh, I'm back now. <laughs> right? Right in the backyard. Right. Oh, I know. The seizure stuff. So sometimes if it is not a chemical imbalance that's causing the seizures. And guys, no, I'm not a medical professional, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a dog trainer and breeder. So if I get the terminology wrong, bear with me. Um, sometimes it, they're getting a seizure because of stress uh, or because of uh, psychiatric something or other, right? And if that's the case, it might not be scent related. It might be sight related, okay? Mm-hmm. So if you start staring off into the distance and then you start rocking and then you kind of have a seizure that way, right? It might not be scent related. And if it is not scent related and we're trying to scent train a dog for you and it's not scent related, well, then that'd be stupid of us to do. Yeah, I would much prefer 
to have the dog trained for this sight response and then to interrupt whatever I'm doing that's, you know, got me on the path towards being so stressed that I have a seizure if they are stressed or psych-induced. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's not like it happens all the time, and it's not like it's going to be everybody's, but like I said, it is something that we look for and that we ask, and if we ask you, it's because, like, it's come up before, right? Yeah, it's not because we're trying to say, you're not sick enough for our dogs. Right. Yeah, we just want to help you the best we can, and your breeders, if you choose any other breed, they should be doing the same. They should be doing the same, whether it's first service work or therapy work or pets you want them to be looking for you the best dog to fit you and your needs and if you go to a breeder and try to buy a puppy and they don't ask you any questions that's a freaking red flag if they're just willing to give you any old puppy they have i happen to have a dog who's like four months old and i was going to keep her for myself but i've decided not to and she'd be perfect for you that's convenient Right? Isn't that convenient? Yeah. Like, and she's just perfect. And I just kept her and I just decided not to. Really? Did yeah. you? And did you even ask me any questions before you said she was perfect for me? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, one of my clients, whenever we were still working with dogs outside of our breeding program, um, I had I always tell people, you know, I've been telling people Goldens and then Labs and Poodles, but Goldens. And if you need four, it's Goldens, Goldens, Labs and Poodles. <laughs> yeah, for the Fab Four. Goldens, right? Goldens, Labs and Poodles. Right. Um, they went out and got a Golden from someone who happened to have one available. And that dog was aggressive and ended up, they had another little dog in the home and the dog, the golden took the other dog's eye out. My like, God. yeah, yeah. That's, I was like, holy smokes. Uh, and then we'll get people who want sent for multiple things. And I'm like, well, we're not going to teach him like, he's going to hit me here if it's diabetic, here if it's heart rate, here if it's blood pressure and here if it's something else. Gluten. Like, so can, can they sent for stress? I have no idea. Uh, there's been no studies on it. Just like there's no studies on dysautonomia alert dogs. However, I have trained many of them because I guess I smell really good. And I've been training them for years for people. Like I've had some of my dogs have been uh, like our Malinois was for medical alert. And that's why I was like, I really don't like this because he would run and dive bomb on me when I wasn't feeling great, you know, when it was starting. And if y'all have dysautonomia, you know, some of them happens in the bathroom. So I would have to shut the bathroom door so he couldn't come in with me. Because I didn't need him in there saying like, hey, guess yeah, I know. Yeah, you know. I'm in here. I'm dealing with it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and don't expect a breeder to give you a discount because you want it as a service dog. Okay, apparently people do that with breeders. And we haven't had that issue. No, I have had. I had somebody who was telling me they wanted me to give them a free dog um, because they're a trainer and they're really good. And so if we have a dog that nobody else can handle, we can give it to them. We have a dog that nobody else can handle. What the hell happened? Yeah, like, like, you do know have... it's Goldens, right? <laughs> right. Also, like, did you not just hear everything we talked about that we do to ensure that we don't end up with a dog that right. nobody else can handle? Yeah, yeah. Lordy. Um, cortisol, that's a stress hormone. It could be. And you get people who are like, oh, you can train for this. And that's why I just say it's... What we do is we teach the dogs that scent has meaning. Okay? And mm-hmm. then we teach them... This is normal and this is not. Yep. So a lot of times you don't need it, but you might in the beginning say like, oh, I don't know if it's this, that, or the other, but you know, y'all figure it out. Yeah, you'll figure it out for sure. Um, I have stress-induced um, narcolepsy without cataplexy, so I will lose consciousness. And my service dog, I still to this day don't know if she was alerting on scent or behavior, but she could always get to me and always either interrupt whatever to get me on the right path where I did not lose consciousness or be there for when I did. (laughs) 
So she was able to perform her tasks, but I don't know if it was based on center sight. I just know she did it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was able to train it to where she would respond, but I still don't know. Yeah. If she could pick up and on it, the scent before I was doing whatever she was seeing, but. Right. And, and she might've done it maybe on scent. Maybe the next one I'll do it on site too. Okay. You know, you don't know. No. So, you know, the best we can do is what we do. But like I said, I see some of these baby trainers. I'm like, oh, honey, that's not how it goes. So hopefully they'll live and learn and then get loves. Yeah, I got super lucky. My retired service dog is 11 years old, by the way. So all of this was when I first started using her as a service dog. It was before I had even um, delved into the realm of service dog training for myself. So or for myself and other clients. Right. So training my own service dog was the first one. Um, can you train for keto, keto tick hypoglycemia? If that's diabetic lows and highs, I've done diabetics before, um, diabetic alert dogs. I usually recommend them to somebody else now who specializes in it because with that thing. Um, Dexcom. Dexcom. I, I, I just don't need them as much. Like most people go for Dexcom because you're not going to wait two years to get the Dexcom to work. And yeah, is it going to be accurate 100%? No, mom just actually had to come, because uh, I do have glucometers here, and she'd given me her last glucometer, um, but she had to calibrate it to make sure it was accurate. And then they had to change stuff up, because hers was reading like 300 instead of like 100, which is really bad. Turns out, like, it was messed up somehow. So they got a new Dexcom in, because they had switched who was supplying it, but now it's all fine. And it turns out she wasn't in the 300s for a couple months, um, but... You know, like, yeah, sometimes they're not going to work. Will a service dog help as a backup? Yes. Do you want to spend twenty dollars to $40,000 on one? That's a lot of Dexcoms. Yeah, that's a lot of Dexcoms. And I get, um, we were talking to someone the other day who I recommended the Dexcom for, and she said it's her young son was who she was wanting the service dog trained for in conjunction with the Dexcom, just so she could feel... Uh, and her her young son is nonverbal, and like there were lots of reasons that she would want to have every base covered. Yes. With yeah, yeah. I don't have a problem with that at all. But I want you to set yourself up with the best service dog prospect that you can, because you know what's worse than spending twenty thousand plus on a service dog? It's funny enough that service dog's not going to do the job. Like yeah. how terrible. They so don't give you refunds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we do all, everything that we can to make sure our dogs are successful. Um, we also, for the mamas, mm-hmm. was appropriate exercise and rest. Like our mamas who are preggers, oh my gosh, they're so huge. Like, yes, they'll get some <laughs> run around outside time. They are. Um, but they're not going to go play ball with no, everybody. No, they're not playing like with the younger, more rambunctious puppies. We're not getting, we don't want them knocked into. Yeah. Yeah. So like we have a seven month old, like a year plus and like a year and a half and a year and a half. And they can go outside kind of and play, but we try to keep the mamas inside. And now that if we get to Monday Sunday, Monday or Tuesday, they can safely deliver. You know, they're not due until Wednesday and Thursday. So they're going to have an easy weekend inside in the bedroom here. And that's where we're at now. Mm-hmm. And Bert's in here, too. He's, he's actually yeah, the one in the welcoming box. Yeah, as long as everybody's box. chill and cool, they can keep living just normally as if they did uh, before yeah. they got pregnant. Yeah. But... We do make sure that they don't go outside. When Bert goes outside to have his rambunctious fetch session with Rick, we're not letting the seven and a half week old pregnant or the eight and a half week old pregnant mamas go out there with him. Yeah, yeah. No. No, 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 no. But whenever everyone else gets created, I don't create these guys. They get free run. So, like, we went today to meet up with a friend. 
and the the mamas were free. Mamas and Lucy were free. We had Bert, and the other ones got crated. So that's another thing about ethical breeders is how do they live in the home, right? Because I've seen yes. so many breeders that have these beautiful kennel setups, but the dogs never actually live in the home. And to me, for some breeds, that I guess could be fine, right? But yeah, you know, I don't you know. care. I don't care if it's a Malin. Like my Malin was a home dog. Yeah, both of them. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's what I would want, but I yeah. know there's crazy people out there that are like, no, I want my dog purely for sport. Yeah, I want to go a... get them, sport them, and put them back when I'm done. Well, yeah. yeah, what type of life is that? And I know, like, I specialize in service dogs and all, but there's a reason I specialize in service dogs, and we're doing Goldens. Yeah, because And that's because, live. yeah, mine live in-home. Like, mm-hmm. we'll off, often, we have two whelping boxes up now, so check our TikTok out. We're going to be doing some uh, video walkthroughs to show you the whelping setup. But we have two giant whelping boxes. One's four foot by six foot. One's four foot by four foot. Set up in our bedroom. Mm-hmm. And they will be here for at least the next month. Yes, they will. So, like, we've got the setup going on here. And if not, we would have, while we're doing this, instead of having three dogs lying by us, we'd have eight dogs lying at our feet. And that's a typical thing that happens. We've had people coming out this week to meet up with us. We'll meet them out on the patio. We have eight dogs lying around our feet out on the patio. Like, my dogs are house dogs. I do not have kennel. Like, mm-hmm. kennel's outside for them. Nope. When I was a member of the dog club up in Gainesville, we were at somebody's house for one of the matches. They have to do a fun match in order to do the AKC show, which is the one that brought them in the money. So you could do one of each a year at the time. And she had beautiful kennel built outside. And she was saying something about how only one of her dogs is allowed inside her house and the other ones have to be kennel dogs. And then she also had the gall to say to me, isn't it nice being around all these purebred dogs instead of those mutts that you hang out with. Cause I did so many pet dogs and service dog things. I'm like my mutts that live on in the house yeah, on the couch mouth. and travel with their owners everywhere. Cause they're service dogs. Like, are we really having this conversation? Yeah. <sighs> so yes. yeah. Yeah. So where are the dogs equal. at? Where are the dogs at? And can you see where they're at? And I get that you're not going to be able, you should not be able to just walk into the whelping room and say, I want to see exactly where these puppies are. Because we are trying to prevent um, the spread of disease and these little babies are particularly susceptible to certain things. So don't be offended if your breeder says, no, you can't actually see the whelping area. You can't actually see the babies, but you should see how are the other dogs living? How are the dogs that aren't the parents of your litter living? And if they're in crappy conditions, then the chances are, your dog's parents were probably in crappy conditions too. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. And yes, I have crates for the dogs and I will put them in crates because they should be able to be you in crate crates. Train. That's what we're doing is crate yeah. training, not locking up merchandise. You know, we're not storing, uh, what do they call it? Um, theft control? Yeah, it's not theft control or we're not taking inventory. You know, we're not locking up the inventory when we put the dogs to bed. They're just going to bed. They're just yeah. going to be crate trained. Yeah. They don't live in there. Right? Well, yeah, they live in the bedroom, but when mamas come, it's just mamas allowed in here for the first few days. Then usually Gypsy's the first one allowed in, and the mamas are very protective. So we go very slow with it, but that means that every time we open up the door to the hallway, there's every other dog there waiting, and you have to, like, walk around them, and they're like, oh, my God, you're back. So then, you know, sometimes at night they're in the hallway. Sometimes at night we do put them in crates during these you know, like week, but yeah. And we just train them as their babies. Like the puppies that stay on for the training programs get yeah. kennel trained. Cause that's what you, yes. that's what you do. 
And no, if you have, if you are getting from a breeder who is claiming to offer training as well, <laughs> yes, look at the results of their training. Go through, see if you can get some references, see if any of their former litters have gone on to do anything spectacular. If they have um, Facebook or social media, like someone from their former litter. And it's 2023, guys. They better have social media. What is up with these breeders having these web pages from the 1990s? Yeah, I don't know what that's about. It's terrible. Like, it does not cost that much to do your own website. It doesn't take that much to have your own website and that's it adds updated. a layer of transparency, right? Yeah. Having everything out, not everything, but lots of things out there on social media and having a platform that people can interact with your former clients on. Yeah. Social media makes that possible. With all the breeders that we've gone through with different things, only one of them has, has a Facebook group. I mean, we have. We've had for a while. but And, and then I could see why, is they don't want them to know each other. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's sad. Yeah. That's scary sad. I mean, some of them are older, and they just don't understand this newfangled technology of computers. Proof and I get that. Proof is in the pudding. That's right. That's right, Holly. The proof is in the pudding. But if you right. never see the pudding, if they're hiding the pudding. <laughs> it's because it's the poop-making pudding. Yes, yeah, the poop-making pudding. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but where are the dogs kept at? What conditions are they kept in? Um, do they do C-sections or natural? We do natural deliveries as much as we can here. We've only done one C-section. That was Candy because the first litter was born dead for the Dobermans. So the second litter, we did a planned C-section. Um, and it's very controversial. However, why we do natural is, one, it's easier on the mama. Mm-hmm. Um, two, it's easier on the puppies. We've had really good luck with puppy survival. Mm-hmm. We did lose a few. I think we lost two puppies last year. But I think, did Rich say that was the first ones you'd lost, lost for the whole year? For the whole year, for the yeah. Whole year. So. yeah. So it happens, and it's it's heartbreaking whenever it happens. Yeah. But, but I like the lower stress that happens when the puppies are born here. Like I said, they're born in my living, or my bedroom. We've got a TV. You know what we do is we play Disney movies. So this is the Pocahontas and the Princess and the Frog Litter. So guess what movies we're going to start with watching, <laughs> right? So we watch those. We'll put on different movies. We'll put on music. When they're whelped, they're whelped onto fleece mats. And so when the puppies start to root to find mama to get something to eat, they have fleece. They have uh, some grip for their little feet to hopefully help with better hips, which will help everybody out in the long run. You know, I've seen breeders who the dogs are born onto quilts or blankets or sheets or boxes, cardboard boxes, Mm-mm. or newsprint or unprinted newsprint that or towels. That is not where I want my puppies whelped. I want my puppies whelped onto the fleece bedding. And if you look at the whelping boxes right now, there is a whelping mat on top of it, and that's to keep it clean because my dogs will jump into it right now. But once the puppies start coming, that gets removed. Yeah, so when I said don't be expected to be shown, like, to be able to go into the whelping space, you should still be able to see it if you want. You should know how those puppies are whelped, what materials are they whelped onto, and then what materials do they live those first weeks of their life on. Because especially for hip development, knees, elbows, you want to have the proper surfaces underneath those puppies' feet. Yep. Most definitely. And then we'll start about three days with the early neurological scent, the early scent introduction, and with adding some obstacles. We add some uh, rolled up tiles as bumpers. We'll add some egg crate foam. We'll add some sensory tiles that are from like little kids. Mm-hmm. We'll start adding those in. A princess got Bucky Bear, which was a gift from uh, one of Bucky's dear friends. And once Bucky passed, it is now Bucky Bear. And he goes in and he, he'll be in there with the litters. And it's this big stuffed teddy bear 
And he's Bucky Bear. And it was so cute because Princess would put her puppies on Bucky Bear's legs and, like, leave because Bucky Bear was babysitting. <laughs> right? Um, but, yeah, so it works out really nice. Uh, yeah, create valleys for them. You betcha. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea. Anything that can get them to use that those little legs, get the legs underneath them at, positioned correctly as they should be through development, uh, and get them experiencing those light stressors that we talked about earlier. Achievable stressors, achievable goals, right? And awesomeness whenever they get them. So what happens when they go over the hill and into the valley and over the hill? They get mama and food. Yes, so they learn that there is reinforcement for overcoming that light stressor. Yep, yep. Um, what's the process? Go to our website, which is hopeservicedogs.org. Um, check us out. If we're what you're looking for, fill out an application and schedule up a phone call. Yeah, you'll get to talk to one of us or maybe Rich. Yep. <laughs> we'll make Rich do more phone calls. I usually do them, but yeah. Yeah, Vicky does do them. <laughs> she's the she's queen bee of at, doing them. Yeah, and you're just so good at talking and you know everything. I do. It's when Rich talks to people. He's like, I don't know. Ask Vicky. Yeah. Me and Rich both. That's like our catchphrase. Ask Vicky. Right. Sounds like a Vicky question to me. <laughs> uh, we'll also use something called pig rails. And that is a little shelf around the bottom. So if puppies are underneath it and mama lies in the corner, she's not going to squish a puppy. The puppy can right out of the way. And do you have pictures of like your welcome setup and everything? We um, do, but we're going to do new because we always do new every time we have a litter to let people see and what's going on. Yeah, so if you check out the Hope Service Dogs uh, Instagram page or um, even TikTok. the TikTok videos, you'll see, tacks. I think you've done full-on videos of this is what the welcome setup is. This is how we clean it. This yep. is what we do. This is how we make the mom their, their food and all their supplements and everything. Yeah, so if you just look through her video library on yep. this TikTok page, you'll see just everything. It's complete transparency. Yes, and then whelping boxes. We have uh, John Art whelping boxes. They're so nice. So oh my gosh, them. they're nice. <laughs> and it's not just because they are better pictures because of the background with the white fleece and the white whelping box. They make the golden puppies pop. Um, they're easy to clean. Yes. They're durable because my big butt gets in there and leans on the walls when I'm snuggling puppies, you know. Um, yes, she doesn't have a big butt, but yes, she'll lay down in there with them. I do lay down in there. Um, do you train service dogs that are not of our litter? I do not. Sam does right yes, now, but I'm, I don't know how much time she's going to have to do that. I am pretty booked at the moment. But yeah, I no longer do because for us, like we keep some dogs from every litter, stay for our puppy programs, and then some of those go to Sam. But what was happening was it was just too much. Like we'd have like, here's the litter of puppies, and then here's this other dog or two. And as we knew what was coming down the pike, you know, I wasn't taking in dogs, but we had some already on the books. And it was, it was a little bit of a headache for me because like, I know what these guys are working on. Now this dog has to work on something different and mm -hmm. then these guys and then that dog again. So I was like, no, we're not doing any others. It's just easier to focus on what these well, you puppies have so do. so many moving pieces and parts here to this operation that when something that doesn't fit into it's exactly not what the right cog. Yeah, it's not the right cog. So when it comes in, it kind of throws a wrench in everything. open the door and let Lita out? I think she might have to potty. You potty? And she can't come out over this way, so she has to go out that way. I'll take her all the way out. Okay, thank you. Come on, Lita. Uh, yeah, so health and care of the de of the dogs, what's going on. Um, puppy development is going to be next. So I can I can hold off a little bit for Sam for that one. But So if you guys have any questions, now is the time to post them. And I will see what I can answer. Um, but yeah, we want to talk about puppy development. 
Now, did you know the highest amount of learning is going to happen between um, 4 and 16 or 14 weeks old? 16 usually, right? Between 4 and 16 weeks old, the highest amount of learning is going to happen. So 8 weeks old is when puppies go home. If you have somebody who's trying to send you a puppy home before 8 weeks old, run for the hills. Okay, um, we've got some dogs in before that. We'll get clients who would get dogs in six weeks old, seven weeks old, and you know they can have issues. Uh, however, I have mamas here. I have puppies here sometimes. So for me, it's a different story. For you guys, don't take them unless they're at least eight, maybe 10 weeks old, um, just for the best with the mama. How do you know when a puppy is perfect for service work? Um, when we're done with this rewatch, because we talked about temperament testing a little bit earlier. Uh, part of it is nurtures, part of it is nature. Uh, so the highest amount of learning the first 16 weeks. So that's some of the weeks while they're with us. Then from eight weeks to 16 weeks, well, that's eight weeks of learning. That's two months, right? But you haven't had a puppy in a while. If you had a puppy, maybe it's been five years or 10 years since you've had a puppy. And now you're like, crap, I don't remember what I'm supposed to do. And I have this like job that pays the bills. And what am I supposed to do with a puppy? And so a lot of people lose out on that first 16 weeks where your puppy's just an absorbent little sponge. And yes, they will continue learning afterwards. But the highest amount of learning happens that first 16 weeks. So what we do is we do a combo of uh, puppy culture and avid dog. No. Puppy cultures like kindergarten, avid dogs like college, right? Avid dog will give you a better rundown of what you need to be doing. And we've done both. Uh, and like I said, now we have our own kind of hybrid version of what we like to do. We'll do the early neurological stimulation and the early scent uh, introduction starting at three days old. Um, we'll do minimal handling to not stress out the puppy or the mama dog, because that's not good either. Um, sensory items and toys, which we've discussed a little bit earlier. Um, we'll also do, at three weeks old, uh, their eyes are open, their ears are open, they can potty on their own, because did you know the little puppies can't see or hear when they're born, and they cannot um, potty on their own either. Mom has to stimulate them, which is as fun as it sounds. Uh, so they don't get kisses, they don't give kisses during that time to us, because that's gross. Um, at what age is a service puppy fully trained? Are they ever? So a lot of times, about six months old, our dogs, if they stay with us until six months, they're doing uh, deep pressure therapy and retrieve. They're good out in public. They still have a long ways to go. They're only six-month-old puppies, right? But are they a service dog? When you get your driver's license at 16, are you the world's most bestest, goodest driver ever and never make a mistake? But you can operate the vehicle legally, right? So I tell people it's kind of the same thing with the service dog. It's six months old. Is it a service dog in training or a service dog? It depends on your state laws. But um, some airports will travel a fully trained service dog. Well, a trained service dog. I'm not going to say fully trained, but a trained service dog at four months old or 16 weeks old. So it's currently up to um, whoever's asking why you need it, right? But training never ends. So six months old, can the dog work? Yes. Should you expect the dog to work full time? No. The dog must be only part-timing um, and to be successful. We want the dog to end up like with an A at the end of every training session at the end of every day. So how can we get that dog to have an A? How can we set that dog up for success? And then understanding that 
It doesn't mean that training is over and you don't have to do anything, that you will continue training. So about a year, they're better. Two years, they're even better. Three years, you're like, dude, you are my soulmate and like, I get you and you get me and this is amazing. Okay. So three weeks old, we start potty training with potty trays and clicker training. By about four months old, most of the time, they're pretty good potty training wise. They could still have some accidents, but usually they're pretty good by four months. Uh, another thing, the, um, you can wet everything. And Ginger has to go out too. She was like, oh my gosh. Um, no MLMs. So there's something called NuVet, N-U-V-E-T, and some breeders really push for that. And <coughs> they'll say that the <coughs> excuse me, that the puppy guarantee is based on you signing up and buying this NuVet product. And that's baloney. You don't need to buy a NuVet product, right? It's it's a vitamin. There's better vitamins out there than one that the breeder gets a kickback for for every puppy in every litter. It's ridiculous. Um, so watch out for MLM things. Is the dog with mom and litter baits? Now guess what? Mom isn't always with the puppies 24-7. For the first two weeks, she does not even want to leave to pee. Like, this is what we have to do here. It's usually a two-person job. One person takes mama outside. And the other person will tell mama, and we tell her this, like, I am watching your puppies. I am right here watching your puppies. You see me right here watching puppies. You can go outside and potty right now. I will watch your puppies for you. And she'll run outside, pee as quick as she can, and run back in. But as they hit about three weeks, eyes open, ears open, they're starting to potty on their own. Mom can go outside and pee, finally. Four weeks old, it's better. Usually four to five weeks old-ish is when we set them up in their puppy playpen. And mom still has access and can get in there, but the puppies also are eating at this age. And apparently their poo doesn't taste as good. So mom will go in there and give them a little, you know, drink. But she's not spending as much time in there with them, right? And that's okay. They're still together. They'll still be outside together. They're still, she goes in there with them. She'll sometimes lay down and nap with them. But she's trying to give them some independence. And they're learning that it's not all Lord of the Flies. So at eight weeks old, sometimes when people come to pick up their pups at eight weeks old, before the pup leaves, he gets a little nip and a sip from mom. And that works. So they should be with mom and litter mates. Um, I have friends who have bred Malinois and they were like, yeah, uh, about five weeks old is when we start separating, you know, forcibly separating from mom. And we don't do that. We, we breed Goldens. We want them to be fantastic. It's uh, seven weeks old-ish. If we know the ones are going home at eight weeks old, we'll start giving them longer crate times. Now, when we're cleaning out their pen, about four weeks onward, they'll go into crates. Um, but about seven, seven and a half weeks, the ones who we know are going home at eight weeks old, we'll start putting them in crates. So they're in crates overnight. And yeah, they're fussy about it at first a little bit because it's something new and all their litter mates are still in their big playpen together. What the heck? So we, how do puppies gain independence from mom? Yeah, they, they just get some independence. She doesn't, she's not in there as much. She lets them play with each other. She lets them explore the environment. Uh, when we have the big puppy playpen, we'll rotate out what toys are in there for them. Um, and we'll switch them up daily. Uh, so she'll let them do that. When we're outside, she lets them explore a little bit. We've got a whole bunch of toddler stuff in the puppy yard. Uh, and, and she'll give them, you know, let them have some of that independence, which is fantastic. 
Oh, that's awesome. Gala came to US uh, happy hour yesterday for two hours and her eye contact and behavior got rave views. She's fantastic. Um, but yes, yeah, so we get longer and longer crate times. And then as the puppies stay here, uh, usually about 12 weeks, they'll start hopping out of the puppy playpen, in which case the puppy playpen gets taken down. And instead of being able to play all day, now they're crated up a little bit more. So that means they get more time outside because like, I don't want to have to, well, I don't usually clean up the puppy playpen stuff or the puppy poo stuff, um, but I don't want them to have to clean up puppy poo stuff all the time. So, you know, like they get a lot more outings to go potty and I can't lift them as easily. My shoulder bothers me and they're usually on the top because they're lighter and it's easier to clean them. But, uh, but you know, yeah, yeah, we work on this and then puppies go home at early as eight weeks old. Uh, does your breeder match you or do you get to pick? And if you get to pick, which one are you picking and why? Most people are going to pick the different one. So like one litter, we had a really dark one. Well, that's who everybody liked because he was different. That's not the reason to pick the puppy. Like we're with them all the time. So that's why we pick. Like we see what's going on. And until they're about five weeks old, they're little potato guinea pigs and they're all cute, but they don't have like the je ne sais quoi that we can find. We want to, to use that temperament evaluation that we use to decide who goes where. And sometimes I might say, hey, what do you think, blue or, or yellow? Do you have one that you like better? You, you like that dog, and this dog's a huge mobility dog, but he doesn't use his nose for anything. I, I can't place that puppy with you. And it's not who's on the list longer that gets it. It's based on what the puppies are showing us. <coughs> so, you know, we try to do our best to match. Um, and, like, everyone should get their dream dog. Right, that's my end goal. Um, we send them home with the Heartbeat Stuffy. If they go home at eight weeks old, uh, I love the Heartbeat Stuffies. Uh, and uh, it helps. Luke had a Heartbeat Bear when he was a, a little baby, human child. And I loved it. So we make sure that we get the Heartbeat Stuffies for them. Um, and they're usually ones that they've had in the pen with them. And we sent them. So they go home with that scent from Mama and, and litter mates and the household. Um, food, we'll send them home with the food that they've been on. Uh, clicker is charged with dynamite, so we'll send them home with a clicker. Uh, we'll also send them home with some propectolin to help with any upset tummy issues. If there's loose stool, the propectolin will help with that. Uh, we'll also recommend uh, a probiotic. Like I said, uh, the Purina Pro Plan uh, Fortiflora is a good one. It's about a buck a packet. Uh, you can get it on Chew, you can get it on Amazon. And if you're doing um, Purina and you're not submitting the your Purina points, talk to me because we do submit for hope and we earn gift cards that way. Uh, we also recommend about six months old. This is for Angus too. Um, Glycoflex 3 and starting a glucosamine supplement. So that's what I like to see um, with them. That's to me what makes an ethical breeder is a dog who puts health and temperament at the forefront who does the best that they can to get the dogs to be the best that they can uh some questions that have come up how can owners help pre-acclimate their new puppy to their home before bringing them home if at all um that i don't i don't really think you can because if you send me something to put in like if you drop ship me toys from chewy which i know some some people have um 
you know, they'll play with them. I'll put them in, all, all the puppies will play with them. The puppies love it whenever they get toys coming in the mail. But if you're like, here's a, a, my favorite blanket, I'm probably not going to put it in with them because, like, you guys know the whole smallpox Indians blanket stuff, right? So I don't, you know, I'm not going to, like, not wash something and be like, here, and, like, find out your dog had parvo and died from it. And this was, like, his favorite blanket. So I have to put the puppies at the forefront. Um, the best things that you can do for your household to get it ready is to have a crate set up maybe in your bedroom and a crate set up in cell phone charging cords. You know, you don't want to have a dog who gets a hold of things. And I tell you what, I told you we had career day. I brought Albert and we brought Clover. So Albert's about a year and a half now and Clover's four months. And we didn't have a crate for them. And our idea at first was going to be, we had four sessions. So we were going to bring Albert, Clover, um, and two others, but all the puppies went outside today and got filthy dirty while they were outside playing. So they all needed baths except for Clover. So Clover got to go. And Albert was going to go anyway, as long as he didn't get filthy and he didn't. Um, but we didn't have access to the car because the campus is now on lockdown. So it's chain linked. We couldn't park where we usually park and we couldn't swap out puppies. So we didn't have a crate for him. So poor dog was up from about 830 until noon working. And that's a lot for him. And we were sitting in the front of the classroom. We were in one classroom and they'd rotate the kids out every 27 minutes. And then we were, it's a three minute gap in between. So that's how they broke it down. But it was, it was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot for the puppy. And he was getting into things. He was pulling on the poo bag. He was eating a tag that was on my chair. He was trying to eat my cup holder on my wheelchair. Um, he was trying to eat some stuff that was in the classroom. He was trying to eat fuzzballs. Guess what? He's a puppy. He's going to explore with his mouth. We did not bring a chew toy for them, which was bad on us, uh, you know, because we were expecting to swap out. And then at the last minute, we're like, oh, yo. So and then we didn't have access to the van because we could have just popped them into the van and had the van running with the monitor on it right outside the classroom. And it would have gone fine, except we didn't have access to the van like we were supposed to. So it wasn't as it wasn't what I was expecting, but the whole time I was like, man, we could totally use a crate right now because he needs to sleep. And we came home and he didn't want to even exit the van because we have crates in the van, right? He didn't want to exit the van because he just wanted to go to sleep. Um, and we got him in here and he has slept the whole rest of the day. So for working tonight, he just gets some fun, if anything, because it's been such a long day for him. And tomorrow is also going to be a very easy day. So I want people to have realistic expectations of what the dog should be doing and should not be doing. And for that, even though we were just the front, it was a lot of us talking. So it was touch and target stick and um, under and spin and circle and oops, retrieve. It was some demo stuff, some heel. And it was just easy, easy. It's not because he's a four month old puppy and it wasn't easy, easy. Um, will you have any sponsorship openings? Sponsorship like people sponsoring us? Yes. If you mean sponsorship as in scholarship, uh, our scholarships are for our online course <coughs> and potentially for when we do workshops in schools. Um, those are announced for the schools and the workshops. The online course stuff you can always um, apply for. Uh, if you would like a, if you're asking for a puppy, because whenever we made the, well, whenever Orange County Sheriff made the announcement that uh, we had donated the puppy to them, people started coming out of the woodwork asking, how do we get a free puppy? Well, you know how Orange County Sheriff did it, is they had talked to us about getting a puppy and getting on our puppy wait list, um, and they wanted to do a puppy program, and they were going to pay for all of it. And I talked to the board and I said, I really, truly believe that we should donate. And we had Pegasus and Pegasus was 
a perfect candidate for it. And so because of that, you know, we told them that we wanted to donate the puppy to them and they were floored, right? Which is fantastic. Um, but they didn't come asking for it for free, right? If there's a time for it, like I might reach out to people. Oh, yeah, I guess now might be a good time to mention. Um, we are, we do have a dog we are looking for a home for. She will only go as a pet dog, potentially as a therapy dog. Or maybe an autism in home dog. She will not go as a public access service dog because it's Gypsy. And Gypsy was my service dog. She is only five and a half years old. She has been retired for the last year and a half because of her health, um, her hips. It's harder for her to get up, move around, and walk. Um, so due to that, I would like to see her hopefully local. But she needs to be in a house with carpeting or runners, uh, preferably with a pool. And that's why she can't go. She can't do the outings. That's why she stopped going out a year and a half ago. Um, she cannot do service dog stuff, but she has so much love to give. So she was going to remain here um, and just be favorite auntie to everybody. Except I'll see the puppies will sometimes crash into her and the younglings will sometimes crash into her. And it's getting harder for her to get up uh, because I don't have carpet in here because of the puppies. Um, we need something that's easy to clean because of my allergies. We need something that's easy to clean and not um, collect everything and it's just it's very difficult so we have a bunch of corinda dog beds around the house and it's still difficult for her to get up so for the right home for gypsy uh i am looking which it it kills you but i know it's what she needs so that's one that if you are if you're like i have carpeting um she's great with other dogs but it depends on what other dogs you have too, because I'm not putting her in a house with a bunch of other dogs. She can go maybe one other dog um, because she's the best. She really is. And she'll love you with her whole heart. So if that's what you're thinking, like I said, her name's Gypsy, message me. Tell me why you're the best for her. Um, otherwise, I'm going to sign off. We're going to get this uploaded to YouTube, to the podcast. It's up on TikTok, and we dual live streamed it uh, with Facebook and TikTok. Um, follow, like, share, subscribe, leave us a review, leave us a comment. Um, you can leave us a Google review too. Uh, but I know the podcast, you can leave star reviews, and we always appreciate, especially the five star ones. We're just a 501c3 nonprofit, guys. Uh, but this is Service Dog Success because we want you to have success with your service dog. And let me know, message me, um, let me know what you want for our next podcast. Okay? Take care.